Ivy held a conversation in Chicago with Mindy McKenzie, the highly accomplished speaker, CEO advisor, and author of the new book, The Courage Solution. This is our second conversation with Mindy as part of a larger series on the power of authenticity in the workplace. Mindy, who oversaw Beam's $16 billion acquisition by Japan's Suntory Holdings in 2014, talks about how to bring your true self to work, speak unpopular truths, and engage in every aspect of your business. This episode of the Ivy Podcast is presented by Smartwater. What makes Smartwater so smart? It starts with a little inspiration from the clouds, nature's purest source of water. Smartwater copies those puffy white clouds in creating vapor-distilled purity, pure perfection. Smartwater also has electrolytes, which helps give it that clean, crisp taste. Clouds will always be the inspiration, since the water is vapor-distilled for purity. Purity you can taste, hydration you can feel. Choose Smartwater or Smartwater Sparkling today and at your local retailer. You know, I, this couldn't be a better time to talk about what you wrote the book about and why we're all here, which is for all of the people in the room who don't feel like they are bringing their whole selves to work, what would you say to them? My first question would be, why not? And what's getting in the way of that? Because I, here's the deal. We have one life and we actually are one person. And I think that this old adage that we have to somehow um, only show up one way at work. I was like, what? And there was this whole thing about you kind of need to be serious and suited up and polished and, and not kind of your own self. The second example um, of this was when I was told for my headshot um, that I needed to wear a suit. This is the only, like I have this suit jacket and it's got like leopard print in it and it's kind of sexy with the leather, that's why I wear it, but otherwise I always wear dresses and I'm all about wearing the dress. And I was like, well, I'm not wearing a suit for my headshot. And they're like, what? I was like, I only have dresses, I wear dresses, I love dresses and too bad. And, um, and so, but it's a really good example of how coming into a system where, and these are small examples, but coming into a system where all the pressure is for me to only wear black, navy, or gray, all the pressure is for me to wear pantsuits all the time, change my hair, and be more corporate. And I refuse. I'm just too old for that shit now, guys. I'm like, this is it. You know, I wear my Spanx, I'm a little pudgy, I wear my dresses, and you know, I, I, I got good shoes, but I, I'm, not, I, I'm not gonna do that. I'm, I'm just not gonna do it. Now, that sounds really superficial, because you're probably sitting there go, that's really easy for you to say, because of where you're at in your career and all of that. I think I would challenge you all a little bit more to try to ask yourselves, what are the reasons why um, you only feel like you're bringing part of yourself to your job and what is the area that feels scary to you to be more of your true self. That doesn't mean to be offensive. That doesn't mean to be, you know, the crazy weird guy. Like, Let me stop you there, Mindy. What, what, if, what if you feel like when you do bring your true self to work, it isn't working? And the reason why you're not bringing your true self to work is that you know that it will be judged and it will not lead, it will not, you will not get the outcome that you want, which is to be productive, to advance, to be seen as a team player. I would turn that question, Kate, on its head because I fundamentally believe that competence is the great equalizer. When you're awesome at your job, 
you can be who you are. When you're not awesome at your job, and you're average, or you're kind of eh, mailing it in, then no, there's greater pressure. A lot of times, I, I always say you have, kind of have to earn the right. People don't like that. That's really unpopular. How dare you say that? I should be free to be mean, do my thing. You know, actually, I say, you know what? You're there. You're taking a paycheck. Are you getting the job done? And are you so credible and competent that people don't care? Okay, so what do you do when you're starting out? Let, let's say you're 22 to 27, and you don't feel like you've earned that right because you don't know that you're awesome at your job yet. You think you're doing pretty good, but you don't know. You don't have the level of uh, confidence that a Mindy McKenzie has. You are trying your best to, to navigate a career, and you don't know if you have the confidence to really bring yourself to work. Where do you start? How do you build on that, and how do you work to get more authentic? Did I stump you? Well, because I feel like it's a. I feel like it's a. a Here's what I, so I'm, all right, if you're 23 to 27, I find that most 23 to 27 year olds don't have that humil humility. What their deal is, is they think they're pretty awesome and that they should have more than they have. Wow, so the opposite of what I said. Correct, and that's also not a popular, ooh, I hear some, see some head shaking, this is good, all right, let's dig in. Um, so let me take that angle first and say why I believe that. One of the central tenets that I believe about any business professional is that they have to go to school on the business that they're in, not just at the function in the department or whatever. And that if you really, and this is, let me preface this by saying if you want to advance in your career, if you want to get promoted, if you want, which most people, this agent stage do, I think you have an obligation to get really, really, really curious about the business that you're in and to over deliver and to create an environment where you're the go-to person and you're putting in the extra sweat equity. Because that is all about building a foundation of credibility and competence. And it's grindy and it's hard and it doesn't feel fair. But my experience is the people that put that time in and that effort in, and really do, they actually do, it makes a difference, right? So that is my belief. And then on the other side, I think it depends on what it is that you're not bringing. Like, give me an example of that 23 to 27 year old who doesn't feel like they can wholly bring themselves to work. What do you think? What are you thinking of when you are asking me that? Well, I think we're going to take some questions from the audience, and hopefully, we'll get some feedback. But I think that you know, there's a reason why almost more than half raised their hand. And so I think the answer is probably a little bit different for everyone. So I think they're going through in their head, how can I bring myself uh, to work in a more full way? And I think there's some self-work that needs to be done, right? Can you stand up in the gray, please? What's your name? Uh, Virginia, Ginny. Ginny, okay, I love the fact that you were passionately disagreeing with me. So Ginny, talk to me about what was in your head um, and I'll repeat for the camp because I know we don't have a mic. So what's, what, what are you thinking? Well, when, so I'm 33 now, and um, when I was, you know, 10 years ago, I had no professional confidence. And, you know, was and am a very authentic person just naturally, and I was punished a lot for it. Okay, but what does that mean? What were you doing that was getting you punished? Um, recently. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was, um, I mean, 
the rest of this, should I still do as well? Um, but I was, um, you know, maybe voicing unpopular opinions or... Um, okay, let's stop. I love this. Okay, let's stop right there. Jenny, go ahead and have a seat. Yep, I got enough to work with here. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm glad you got my whole life story from that one. I know, it was great, wasn't it? It's like speed dating on crack. Okay, so let's take the topic of speaking the unspeakable at work, because this is what I hear a lot um, from people that are like, well, Mindy, if I say what I really think, then um, it has negative repercussions and all of that. Which, oh, by the way, is true, because human beings don't like to be disagreed with, they don't like to be challenged, they don't like, you know, that's our, that's our nature. I would posit, though, many times when we think that we are speaking on popular truths, it's not the message that is rejected, it is how we've gone about delivering that message. And, well, being able to say what we mean, mean what we say in a way that can be heard, Kate, versus just getting it off our chest and saying it. Now, let me pause and go back to this number one commandment I have for everybody in their professional lives, which is to know your business, know how your business makes money, understand enterprise-wide how the machine works, how you hook into it, and be leveling up your thinking about your business um, so that you can actually make a difference that matters. And I say this coming from I was an HR route up person that was offered the CEO job of Jim Beam, Global Spirits Company, right? I, that should have never happened. And the reason it did was because I was a business leader first, right? And thought, and everybody has the opportunity to do that. A lot of times what happens is, is people only know their little patch. They have a strong point of view about that little patch. They don't see how that patch fits into the greater whole, Kate. And then when they do have a strong point of view that's alternative to the powers that be, they're coming from a narrow perspective so they can't speak the language of the other people because they haven't done the work. So, I'm not saying this is true for you, Jenny, so you can kill me later. I'm just, she gets, the, she gets the award tonight for courage and bravery and just being, so let's give her a big hand because I really appreciate it. Because I know that's not the story for you, so. So would you say the first tenant is to listen? It's, yes, but in pursuit of what? Of learning and figuring things out. Like, I call it being king for a day. Anybody know what that means? If you're king for a day, you're sitting in a meeting. Because here's what happens. Is the IT person, the marketing person, the finance person, the HR person, the sales person, the whatever. Everybody's sitting around a table, yada, yada, yada. When other people are talking, if it's not really your function or your area, you're not really paying that much attention. Because if you don't run the whole shop, you don't really think about it. And then you're only zoning in on the area of your expertise. The problem with that is that you're not actually thinking like a king for a day. The way to stay engaged at work is to imagine you're in charge of every meeting and that you have to make the decision at the end of the meeting. Every meeting. Imagine going to every meeting. What's your name, your blue shirt in the front? Dave. Imagine every meeting you show up to, even if it's a global town hall at your company where you're thinking, I gotta stand up at the end of this meeting and make a call. You will listen differently to everything you hear in that meeting. You will engage, you will write down notes about the things that you have no idea that you heard about that you go, I don't know what they mean when they say that about the balance sheet or about this or about that. You'll get really curious and you'll go back and learn. 
It's that type of thinking, that king for a day, imagining if I had all the information, what call would I make? What would I recommend? That's when you get out of thinking about yourself singly or your department or your little area, your function, and you change how you engage at work. So it's listening and it's also engaging in every aspect of the business and literally taking it, surveying it, and really not just be, being concerned with your job, but being concerned with every single person and how you fit into them. That's exactly right. Again, very unpopular. Why? It's hard. It takes extra effort. You have to go ask questions. You have to be vulnerable. I just show up and sit down with the CFO because I'm not a financial person. I don't think in numbers. I think in concepts. And I went to the CFO, and I was very senior in my career, and <laughs> I said, hey, I need some mentoring because when you talk about XYZ PDQ, I have no idea what you're talking about. And I feel really stupid. And I feel like when we're in the executive boardroom, I'm the only one that doesn't know what you mean. Because everybody else, all men, by the way, I'm the I was always the only female, nodding, mm, 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 right? And I'd be sitting there going, fuck, I wish I went to business school. Um, and he, you know what he said to me? He goes, Mindy, he's like, I better be careful because I'm in Chicago. Okay, he said, this person, um, does, this other person who leads a large business, P&L business, has no idea about this either. And he goes, people just don't want it. He goes, most of the people in there really don't understand it. I was like, really? I thought I was the only one. So be humble, be willing to learn, ask questions, and try to imagine that you're accountable and responsible for the entire company and the entire Once you're doing your job and delivering guys, then if you say unpopular things, what do people think? Somebody yell out. What's the likely, if you're, if you're in that zone and you say something unpopular, what are people going to think? She might have a point. That's exactly right because you've earned the right to speak the unspeakable. If you feel that you're, feel, if you are managing people yeah. and you feel that some of the people that you're managing are inauthentic, how can you bring out the best version of them or how can you address it in a way that A is quote unquote authentic, but B is also proactive and really does it in a kind way? I mean, no one wants to hear you're acting fake or I don't think your attitude is right. But how do, you, how do you phrase it to really bring out the best in someone who is a subordinate? So I have a practice with anyone who reports to me and have had for years, and this helps, um, where every month I'm sitting down with that person and I'm asking them two questions. So I'll do it with you, Kate. Let me show you. So I say, so imagine this is like fantasy land because she's fabulous and, you know, on TV and shit. So, but imagine she works for me. So we're gonna play for a second. So I'd say, Kate, on a scale of one to ten, with ten being fabulous and one being lousy, how would you relate? How would you rate our relationship right now? Right now, ten. <laughs> imagine that we'd work together, and you said seven, because that's everybody's favorite number at first. And I'd ask you why, and you'd tell me why. So my follow-up question is, I'm just going to listen to you, and then I say, Kate, what can I do differently to move our relationship toward a 10? Now, those are magic truth serum questions because what I've done is I've genuinely asked a subordinate, no matter how much I like this person, how much I don't, how much I trust them, how competent I think they are, forget it, ask them every month. 
keep in mind people, if they're not competent, not delivering the goods, they're not going to last that long working for me either, oh by the way, but we're going to have had this conversation several times. And I'm asking for something that I can do differently and improve, right? And so, and I mean it, don't ask these things if you don't care. I've never had a, a leader or a boss ask me that question. So, and I imagine most of you have never had a boss come to you and say, hey, what could I be doing better? I mean, that I think takes, uh, first of all, a huge level of maturity, intelligence, and self-awareness. And I would love to think that that's the case of all bosses, but sometimes it's not. Um, do you find that, have you, has they, have you had that experience? No, I've never had a boss ask me. I've had bosses ask me during the annual performance review at the end, yeah, um, everything going okay? You need anything else from me? Everything right. No, no, that's, that's, that's you know? But here's the deal, guys. If we wait for our bosses and our executives and our leaders to change and be better and elevate before we do ourselves, we're going to be waiting a long time. Oh, this is great. That's a really key point. Yes, because the only thing you can reliably change or control at your job, in your company, and in your life is what? Yourself. And again, an unwelcome truth. But here's the follow-up to the question. I asked that question, and I mean it. And Kate, if you said to me, and I actually had one direct report saying to me, I need to see you every day. You're not accessible enough. I need more information. <laughs> <laughs> And it was true, they did need more access and more information, but I was not able to give that to him. So I said to this person, I said, I can't do that for you, but what I can do is I will carve out an hour every week and spend it with you. And you can always text me, but I cannot see you every day. Okay, so when you ask this question of your direct report and they give you something back, you have to tell the truth if you can't do what they're asking you. So this is not about you going, okay, okay, it's five more things I need to do to go please people. No, 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 it's about having a really honest conversation. And then here's the magic. Once you, I gotta stand up for this. Once you guys have had this conversation with your direct report, right? Then you say, because Kate, your deal was the person that is my direct report is inauthentic, I think they're fake, they're kind of eh. Then I say, what's your name? Danielle. Danielle. Danielle, when you're dealing with customers and clients, on a scale of one to 10, with 10 being fabulous and one being lousy, how would you rate your effectiveness and relatability and credibility with those clients? Right? What did I just do? Now, here's the magic. Again, truth serum question. If she's not self-aware, Danielle's gonna go, 10, they love me. And then as the boss, because I've either had the client talk to me, I've heard feedback, I can say, well actually, Danielle, I know you really care about that client, you gave yourself a 10, but I, I gotta tell you, I gotta give you a four. And here's why. So there are ways to deal because I would say I would never go after somebody for not being quote authentic or being fake. I would draw the thread through to what's the impact on their job with what they have to do. What's the behavioral impact? People don't want to partner with them. They're difficult to work with. They talk behind somebody's back, whatever it is. But then you ask the person then to rate themselves. It opens the door, but you have to tenderize the stake people. You've got to go first. Well, I think 
what you just said is everything because I think most people, when they're in a situation that A, they're uncomfortable, or B, feel like they're, it's inauthentic, they do what? They do nothing, right? They, they, re they retreat, they're silent, they're like, you know, and they try to assess from afar. And what you're asking people to do is the opposite, which is almost go right to the source and to even, even if you feel like you're dealing with someone that you, maybe is not gonna, this isn't gonna be productive or positive, you're gonna ask them something and hopefully that connection and that relationship is going to advance based on you being proactive. Totally, you, you have to be willing guys to be uncomfortable and be the only one. Again, this whole concept of being your true self or authentic at work, it does take courage, it takes vulnerability, it takes self-awareness, and it takes your willingness to do what others aren't willing to do versus sit back and judge. Because we could spend all day, I have two bosses, I could spend all my time and energy being critical of their failings as a human being. I could. And I could do that with my husband, and I could do that with my 15-year-old. I mean, seriously. And they could do that with me. It's, while my complaints might be valid, it's non-useful. It's just, so what? Any of you guys married? Raise your hand if you're married. If you, yeah. Okay, stand up if you're married. All right, all right, we got, we got a part of the tribe here. Have any of you had any success changing your spouse so far? Yeah, sit down. No, it doesn't. Oh, yeah. It doesn't happen. Change is an inside-out job for us and for every other human being. And we can't wait for somebody else to change. We just can't. So, okay, we, we talked about the young person who perhaps feels they can't bring their whole selves to work. What about the person who is perhaps 33, 35, and really feels like they're stuck in a situation where they are dealing with inauthenticity? And they, What does that mean when you say that? Well, I think it gets to the heart of this conversation, which is they feel like they... Um, the people they work for are a pack of badgers, they don't trust them, they don't like their goal. I mean, what's the deal? I feel like maybe the values of the company okay. don't align with what they're doing. Yep. I think that would be part of it. And perhaps they don't feel uh, valued in the situation that they're in. And when do you make the call, is my question, between doing what you've just asked, which is digging in, doing the hard work of having that open, wonderful relationship and really going for it, or assessing and saying, hey, maybe I should be thinking about plan B here. So two things I'd say, always have your resume up to date. That was advice I got from uh, my CEO at Campbell Soup Company. Doug Conan told me that, and I thought he was firing me because he told me that. I was like, <laughs> like, I was like, did I do something wrong? <laughs> I'll never forget that moment in my life. He's like, no. He goes, I unexpectedly got fired and, and earlier in my career. And he said, always have your resume up to date. Um, listen. There's a difference. If you have a misalignment with values and you're swimming with people every day where fundamentally these people are doing bad stuff and you know it, get out, right? That to me is very different from working somewhere where you don't feel valued because that's where I'm gonna dig in, Kate, and say, ask yourself some real questions. Is this really a function of the environment? And it may be. Or is this a function of how 
I'm behaving at work and what I'm doing, and, and am I truly over-delivering and bringing bring the bacon every day and thinking enterprise-wide and being collaborative and taking the initiative, and I do it. If I'm doing all of that, and I'm in a situation where I'm just fundamentally not valued and I, my bucket is empty, then yeah, move on. But don't pull that ripcord, or at least while you're planning to pull that ripcord, I still say do some of these practices. And because, okay, let me give you an analogy. When we're dating and when we break up with people, raise your hand if you've said this, it's not you, it's me. Oh, yeah. Why do we say that? Do we believe it? No. Hell no, we don't believe it. We think the other person's a lunatic. But we're trying to say that, right? It's the same principle. Uh, we break up, and then we get in the next relationship, and we've told the other person, that's not you, it's me. But really, when you go down the tracks, who is the common denominator in every relationship you've ever been in? Yeah. So, again, just make sure before you jump ship that you've done some introspection work to get to the root of what's really going on versus staying at the superficial that they don't like me, I'm not valued, it's because I'm a woman. I'm, I'm not making fun of that, but I mean, because sometimes that's true. Um, no, I think this is very key. I think if you ask yourself, am I, just a simple question, are you proud of the work you're putting out? And if the answer is, I am proud, then I think the job is worth fighting for. I think if the question is no and there's maybe a reason for it, I think maybe you have to do the introspection. My question to you, I think there's a lot there. How do you begin to do the introspection to make sure you're not deluding yourself and thinking and out of what you're doing? Maybe the truth is you need to be in another job. You need to be in a different situation and creating something else. Yes, I think it's really hard for us to do this ourselves because it's, we judge ourselves on our intent and others judge us on our impact. And we judge other people on their impact, not on their intent. So if somebody gives us criticism, what's the first thing we do, Kate? I was trying really hard and I've worked 70 hours and how could you tell me that wasn't good enough? Right, because what do we do? We go right to activity and intent which might be super positive. We don't go to impact, which is, did that work for the customer? Did that work for the project? Did I miss the mark? And that's human nature. I'm not asking you to not be human. What I am saying is that you need to disregard your first emotional response. No, that's good too. And get a truth teller or somebody who can be a mirror with you that you can talk to that can ask you the tough questions and so that you can get a little deeper under the skin of what's going on. Um, but you need to give that person permission to speak the unspeakable to you because we are so wired to avoid this type of stuff. So what are some things fundamentally we can do that maybe could help us be more authentic at work and at home? I, I feel like, uh, and I, when I say at home, I just mean holistically and our life isn't all about work it's, it has so many different factors so um, I wonder if some people who feel inauthentic at work maybe it, it there's an overlap that there's something going on in their holistic life they don't feel authentic about um, I think the more in tune we are as human beings with what's really going on um, inside of us 
and the more effective we are everywhere we show up. And so what does that mean? Boy, there's so many different ways I want to go here. But here's, here's one of the things that I would say, is that if you want to have a greater sense of groundedness, fulfillment, joy, inner peace, all those things that we crave, which we work really hard to make the money or have the status or get the stuff or buy the shoes because we want those momentary hits of feeling like that. That's what, that's what we do. Um, I think you have to have some practices, some daily practices, weekly practices, monthly practices of when you just get, spend some time you with you. And this is going to sound really woo-woo, but I'm a big fan of meditation. I'm a big fan of spending five minutes a day just breathing. And I, I find that really hard, like belly breathing, sitting down, belly breathing. My ass hurts. My leg hurts. Fuck, you know, I got too much to do. You know, I go through all of that stuff. The days, though, that I do that and just focus on that, I just feel more like I've come into myself. And then when I'm dealing with the stress of, for the majority of my life, I just got remarried. I've been a single parent, raising my son for, since I was four months pregnant. Um, in climbing the corporate ladder and doing all those things, the more I had practices of doing things like that to get in tune with myself, Kate, the better I felt and performed every day. And that can be different for everybody. Some people are runners, right? And they feel better if they go out for their run or they work out. Or I would just say honor yourself more. Make sure to make time for those things so that you can be fueled up and be more resilient. And I do think that it's far more um, acceptable now than it ever has been before for that. But it can be really hard. What I'm not saying is numbing out and having that third beer and having the pizza or reading, you know, like I, I like to read People Magazine and not think, <laughs> okay, that's nice because I'm disconnected, but I'm not, I'm not gaining anything from that. But having the discipline to sit quietly and breathe or meditate, I'm doing the Oprah, Deepak Chopra, 21 day free meditation right now. I don't know if any of you are doing it. Yeah, on weight loss, we're like on day seven or eight or whatever. Like forcing myself to sit there for those 15 minutes, that's helpful, right? Have some type of practice. In your experience working with so many different companies and being going into workplaces where you're seeing all sorts of different people, what do you think is the one thing, if you had to spot it, the one thing people are doing that's stopping them from being more authentic? Oh, they're saying what they really think outside the meeting rooms and they're not saying what they really think inside the meeting rooms. And I find that to be an incredible waste of time. Because here's my catch when I know like I need to go deal an issue with a colleague, is if I find myself um, wanting to complain about that colleague with a friend at work. And then I'm like, it's time for me to get real and go have a conversation with somebody because I'm offended or annoyed or irritated or whatever. We spend an inordinate amount of time and energy avoiding uncomfortable conversations, saying what we really think, positioning and doing all sorts of stuff versus just speaking the truth in love. And I mean it that way. Speaking the truth in love. So in love, meaning? So if you have a, a situation with a coworker or a colleague and you don't get along and every person in this room has at least one, right. you're suggesting instead of internalizing it or talking to another colleague about it, going to that person saying, listen, on a scale of one to 10. <laughs> That's right. 
That could be it. I've done that before using a scale of one to 10. Yeah. So, how would you that, first of all, that takes a lot of bravery. That takes a lot of courage. It takes um, a certain level of confrontation ability that not everyone has. So how, coach some of these folks in the audience who say, I'm not going over there. <laughs> I'm not going to say, listen, this is why we don't get along. Or well, probably that's the wrong approach, but it's confronting it. And it's, it's clearing the air. It's trying to mend fences. And it's trying to create a better relationship for the sake of, of both parties doing better. OK, but can't you just hit the nail on the head. If your intent is to absolutely improve things so that you can work better together, that's where you start getting the juice. If your intent is to prove to them what a jackass they are and teach them a lesson and let them know you're not going to treat me that way, if that's where you're coming from, it's not going to go well. And I'm not saying that you're not justified in feeling that. And that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying feel it, park it, and then deal it differently. And come from the space of, I have to work with you, you have to work with me, and I want this to at least feel clean. It might feel uncomfortable, we might never be friends, you might not like me, but I cannot work with you if there's this static and dissonance in our relationship. Now, there have been times when I've dealt that, and the person sat there and goes, I don't know what you're talking about. You're imagining that. And I'm like, you fucking liar. <laughs> like, right? Because I know they know, but they're in a different place. That's OK. Again, <laughs> sorry, is that, that's bad. No, no, it's great. Really? It's, it's authentic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry. I've been working on not but, swearing but, but I for think like 15 years but I think and not doing well. But I think we're getting to exactly what's, what's happening for a lot of people is that you know, these difficult conversations that take transparency and courage and ability to confront, um, the reason why it's not is because it's hard. It's bloody It hard. is hard. It's not fun. I sweat a lot. You know, and I go into, here's what I do. Like, if I know I'm having a difficult conversation, I go into the bathroom, sit in a stall, and I go, I make sure, I, I pregame, right? Because I don't want to go in there with somebody that I don't like anyway and feel defensive and like I have to protect myself and then go have a difficult, well that, I, I definitely have to pregame for those things, like mentally and emotionally and make sure I'm coming. And so here's what I say to someone if they deny or act as if there's not some stuff going on, I say, you know what, that may be true for you, but for me, in meetings, when you interrupt me time after time after time and then roll your eyes at my colleagues when I speak, that may be something that's okay for you, but that is unacceptable for me. And for us to work together, you're gonna need to knock that off. And I am gonna be in here every time you do it. Now guess what? They, what do they want me to do right now? Disappear. Why? Because it's so uncomfortable. And even with bullies, what I have found is when you do that, they don't want to have this conversation over and over. They'll reserve their shitty behavior for somebody else. And so what I'm saying is, is that it's worth It's effective, it. is what you're saying. If, but again, I'm not coming from the standpoint of, mm -mm, I'm coming from the standpoint of, for me, right now, because we need to work together and I want to have a positive working relationship, when you do that, 
I can't have a positive working relationship with you and it really irritates me. And maybe you're not even meaning to do it. So listen, I give every person as much face-saving outage as they can, because that's another secret. Let them save face. Well, let's change gears just slightly. What if you feel that you can't bring all of yourself to work because, culturally? Or maybe um, because you feel that the environment you're in is not uh, truly acceptable to the LGBT community and you identify as a lesbian or you identify as, a, as trans or maybe you come from a completely different culture or country and feel that you can't bring all of yourself to work because it has been your entire existence and experience that that is often frowned upon. Yeah. Um, I would have you ask yourself, uh, is it really true? Or is this an old tape that I'm playing? Because it's been a pattern of what I've experienced, so I'm pretty sure that if I showed more of myself or revealed more of myself, because in today's day and age, I don't know that that's true as much, but I think, and I have a friend that I hadn't seen in 12 years, a colleague, and the other day, um, we saw each other after 12 years in New York City for lunch, and I said, tell me what's been going on the last 12 years. What's like the big aha in your life? I can't help the Oprah questions, right? I, I, and he said, I came out. And I, I remember thinking, really? Because I had thought he was out already. But, um, and I was like, oh. And we ended up having this amazing conversation about it. But I think asking yourself if, if this isn't fear talking, if it's real. And then if there are people that you trust at work, guys, that know and love you and appreciate all of you, I would ask them because if it's something as sensitive as this, see core identity and like truly being free to be yourself and, and I would ask those that you trust to say, do you think it's safe for me to reveal and express myself in this way? And if they're like, yeah, we're kind of wondering why you don't, then that's a different issue than, you know what, they say, Mindy, don't do that. Like, because it would have serious consequences and if that's the answer from people you trust, Go find another job. Mm -hmm. A lot of jobs out there. It's like super low. It's like never been a better time to have an awesome job. Um, when let's say you're in the interviewing stage, how can you tell you're in a corporate culture where they em embrace authenticity? And it's everyone's trying to. So there's so much posturing that goes on with the interview process, right? Everyone's trying to put their best foot forward. You only have a small amount of time. Um, obviously, you want to project confidence and skill and ability, but how, are there questions you can ask or is there a way to determine whether you're entering into a workplace that is what you aspire to be, which is to be in an authentic place? So, of course, social media is a beautiful thing, right? We can find out a ton of stuff and Glassdoor is definitely a friend. Keep in mind, happy people don't post on Glassdoor, so I would also <laughs> say that. Um, <laughs> It's like, you know, 30% that are really pissed off, but it gives you a flavor. But that would be my entree and say, hey, Mr. Boss or Miss Boss, um, I noticed on Glassdoor that there's a lot of comments about X issue at this company. Can you talk to me about that? And see how they handle it. If they get all weird and, you know, that's not true. Versus they say, you know what? 
you know, as a general rule, we're pretty cool, but we've had some problems and we're working on it, okay, that's a different answer. So that's one way to get at it. Um, another way is to ask a question around, describe for me what it's like for someone um, if they challenge authority here, challenge like sacred cows, like what would a sacred cow be here, but like what would happen to someone? That's a great question, because that will get at the heart of it. I would, I would say you'd have, probably have to ask more than one person. You should be asking everybody. Here's the other thing. If you're in the final interview stages and like they're going to offer you a job and, or the boss has already said it, offers coming from HR or whatever, say, awesome. I want to make sure I hit the ground running with you, um, boss. So can you tell me like the three to five people that you think I should talk to in the coming weeks to prepare working for you? So I really want to do my homework. They'll be like, yeah. And then they give you the three to five names and you go sit down with them and you say, what are they, what's their strengths? What are their weaknesses? What are they like when they're mad? Are they morning people? Do they like coffee? What's their deal? What gets in the way? Who's in the inner group here talking to them? And who's not in the group, right? The, all of that stuff, go dig and go do homework on that person. I've never not seen that work. That's our show for the week. Thanks again for tuning in to the Ivy Podcast. Don't forget, for more information about the Ivy community and to find out about live events happening near you, visit ivy.com. That's IVY.com. See you next time. This episode of the Ivy Podcast is presented by Smartwater. What makes Smartwater so smart? It starts with a little inspiration from the clouds, nature's pure source of water. Smartwater copies those puffy white clouds in creating vapor distilled purity, pure perfection. Smartwater also has electrolytes, which helps give it that clean, crisp taste. Clouds will always be the inspiration, since the water is vapor distilled for purity. Purity you can taste, hydration you can feel. Choose Smart Water or Smart Water Sparkling today and at your local retailer.